Happy New Year, Elaine. Happy New Year, Mark. Kudanani. I watched that this afternoon. Because we were so rock and roll, we were in bed by 10 o'clock last night. Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was closer to half past nine, wasn't it, really? But... No, it was very close to 10 o'clock. I was, <laughs> I was keeping an eye on when the film was about to finish. I so, was um... starting 2023 by correcting me, so, you know, carrying on as usual. It's the way we work, <laughs> and it's the way we work. <laughs> Top 10 films of 2022, because what better way to celebrate the start of a new year than looking back on the old? So, these are films that were released in the UK in the year 2022. Some of the films like were released in other countries previous, like especially America at the end of twenty twenty one. Um, I don't know how many awards contenders you've got in your list because we don't. Know. <laughs> okay, right. I don't know these facts. But I think it's important to say that these are our favorite films, not necessarily hmm. the best. No, no, definitely not the best. I mean, my my list is interesting in inverted commas because yeah, people are gonna have thoughts. I keep a letterbox <laughs> account. Um. At, the honeymoon pod and i looked at there's a film which i rated five stars and i only rated three five stars all year and that isn't even made this list because i've not thought about it since like mm. playground is a beautiful film i think it's still on movie if you're looking for it but it's not left any lasting impression on me so these are all films that i've come back to i've thought about yeah i've watched a couple of times in some cases so um yes same yeah. here they're not necessarily films that other people would be going like five stars all round. and also i think it's important to say that we haven't seen all the films that have been released this year so the, there are some gaping holes this is that's such an alien thing to say what look i need to make people know that this is not a definitive list and <laughs> yeah. there are films that i have not seen that is exactly what i want to say so massive disclaimer i did not see all the films from 2022 and therefore these films are I- inclusive of the films that i have seen so i ask this every year yeah do you remember the format that we do for this no okay i was about to ask you how we do this so we go through one at a time start yeah. off our 10 obviously 10 but if what we need to do in this makes it slightly awkward is we look across each other and uh-huh. if it appears higher up on someone else's list right we say we'll come back to that right okay good do you want to go I'm first? Ready? Yes. Do you want me? To, you want me to do it? I'm sure this happened last time as well, where I got a bit confused about who was going first. Um. So my number ten is everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh yeah, we're not talking about that just yet. Okay. Good. What's your number ten? Mark? My number ten is something that I don't believe you've seen. Mm-hmm. So I think we can talk okay. about this. Um. It's a film that is very specific to me, and you will understand why, and I'll have to explain why. Is it wrestling? No. 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 It's fall. F-A-L-L. Yes. This is a film by Scott Mann, who the only thing I know from him is Final Score, which is Dave Batista running around West Ham's ground with terrorists in. See? Wrestling. Director Sky. <laughs> um, it stars Grace Curry and Virginia Gardner, which is two people who I don't recall in anything. I've seen the films with the men, but only smaller parts. And it is about two people who are getting over a tragedy. They are thrill seekers. They are rock climbers. And in order to get over a tragedy, they decide to climb the highest TV tower in America. One thing I should disclose at this point is I am absolutely petrified and have a mortal fear of ladders. Mm -hmm. And this is a film that taps into that every single way because... I, my hands were soaking through onto the seat when I was watching this, purely because, like, there is, this, I mean, you're not very good with heights. Not, not particularly, no. No, I don't mean, like, not good with heights, I mean, like, you don't know how tall things are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In both cases. Do you understand how high 2,000 feet is? No. Right, so that's two shards. 
Oh, right, two of the shard in yes, London. Yes, the shard right. on top of each other. That's very tall, Mark. Yes, yeah. Um, so they climb up there. The point of the story is that they get trapped up there. <gasps> and it then becomes a film of, we have these many things. Mm-hmm. How do we manufacture a way down from this super high point? Um, there's no phone reception, for example. There is no, um, th- there's no way that they can get down because the ladder breaks on there. This is a dumb film. Like, it's really, really stupid. But I really enjoyed it. Like, it's... I didn't expect you to say that. I thought you... I expected you to say, this is a really artistic film or a really... Oh, it's not artsy. Right, I mean, okay. it's the guy who directed Dave Batista running around thing. Yeah, it's, it's well directed. Yeah, it it's sound, well written. The, the premise of it really sounds very, you know, oh, two women up the shard times two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got the... That, Stuff happens in this, right. which is what, what I'll say, what impressed me the most is, stuff happened in this, and I was one step ahead of the characters in working out what was going on, mm-hmm. but it never felt like I'd outwitted the film. It felt I was picking up on the clues that it was giving me as mm-hmm. to what happened. Like, sometimes when you, like, realise what's going to happen earlier, then it can be a bit of disappointment. Mm-hmm. I felt the... I, I realised before the characters and the film wanted me to know that at that point, or at least have a suspicion around that. Bit like, <laughs> bit like George R. R. Martin. Okay. You know, when he does like, people say he does like three stage reveals, it's like mm. really obscure reveal, like doing mm. reference or something. Then there is something that's a little bit more obvious, and then they have a character come out and say, hey, Jon yeah. Snow is yeah. the prince who was promised. I don't understand the mythology, no. but that might be right. This is a lot, yeah, this, I think more people should see this. It's not actually on any streaming service yet, but it's available to rent. And I think it's good fun. It's good fun. It's daft fun, but good fun. My number nine. Yes. Is Nope. And I don't know whether it'll appear on your list or not. No, any. Um, just not on, no, not, not on, on my list. list. Not <laughs> on my not, list. Like, not just nowhere yeah. near because it's number one. No, you, you were not a big fan, were you? No, I can understand. I can understand the reasons why people... People enjoyed this. Um, it didn't sit well for me. It was... I had the same thing with us as well. Like, I... Uh, people saw a very different film to me with yeah. Nope. Um, and people saw a very different film to me with us. Yeah. Big fan of um, Get Out. But yeah, he's he's one and one for one for three and with me. Um, and I was I was sort of middling. I thought the there was a scene with the... I want to say monkey, but it's not a monkey, is it? It's a, it's a chimpanzee. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, um, see, I forgot all about that. Yeah, thing. And yeah, I was yeah. like, I think was talking about a different film. Incredibly chilling and stayed with me. And then the acting, amazing. Some there's a scene in a barn which terrified me, and just those sorts of moments, and even just sort of the more lyrical moments towards the end. There's, there were there were shapes and things that occur that I was just intrigued by, mm. and I I I mean, say enjoyed when I'm terrified is not. It doesn't really. That's not a satisfying word for me. But I, it stayed with me, and I went with it. I went with the ride, yeah. um, and was intrigued by what Peel was putting out there. Mm. Yeah, um, I think there are excellent bits in it. I think the scene in the barn is one of my scenes of the year. But the scene with the the scene with the chimp just. Mm. It was in the wrong place, the film, for me. I mean, we spoke about this at the yeah, time. Um, so go back and see previous film. It's mm. not a film I've even thought about since either. Yeah. That's the okay. thing. Um, but yeah, I, I can understand why it's on people's list. I can mm. understand why it's on your list. But yeah, not not for me, thank you. 
My number nine is Mass. Oh, Mass. Yes, and I haven't seen Mass. No. I think I tried to start watching it at one point and then didn't quite make it through. It. I think... Um, Remembering back to when you watched Mass, you said it was something that really affected you, that was that very emotionally effective. Mass had me in bits. It's a it went directly to Sky in this country. Um but it's it's not a film that necessarily needs to be seen in the cinema. It's a very it's stagey, it's four people in a room for the mm. most part. It feels very theatrical. Yeah. When you um, see sort of screenshots of it. And it is two sets of parents coming together to discuss a tragedy that's taken place. Um it reveals itself slowly, so I, I won't go any further than that. But this is an absolute acting masterclass. Um, Reed Burney, who I'd only seen as like the geeky um, vice vice president in House of Cards, and I think he was in was he in? I think he was in Succession as well. At the uh, yeah, the same when they were looking for presidential can- mm. candidates, playing a very same role. And Dowd, who's good in everything she does. Um, hello to Jason Isaacs um, in a brilliant... But Martha Plimpton really stole the show for me just because I've not seen her in anything for so long. Like, she's been in TV shows. This is absolutely heartbreaking. It's not for everyone. Um, I've got a real love for sort of small films that are just a small cast of characters sat in a room talking. And this is this is the best example I've seen of that this year. Your number eight. My number eight is... And I think you'll be surprised at this my number eight is men um i'll say now my number eight is men as well oh wow okay (laughs) officially the eighth best film in this household (laughs) when we went to see men i came where i think i remember when we recorded the episode i was really grumpy about it i was like i just really didn't really like it i think i said i was bored at points and yet (laughs) men is the film that i've thought about probably out of all of the films that we're going to talk about, yeah, it must have stayed with me, and I think it 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 linked to a period of time when I then went to Snowdonia, and I was in a house not by myself, but in a house in an incredibly remote part of the world where you know taxi drivers you had to call them a week in advance and they'd only come and get you if they weren't dropping children off at school and yes. you know there were all those sorts of parameters around it you couldn't just go there it was in the middle of a forest and i was listening to the song which is love song by leslie duncan which is which um is played in yeah. the film i there's a version by elton john as well and i i can't remember whether they played the elton john version or the leslie duncan version but anyway the leslie duncan version is the original and i i played it and played it and played it all the way through that time in snowdonia and happy so times, wasn't yeah it? <laughs> yeah it was actually it was really happy and i've just thought about that idea of someone who's been through a tragedy taking themselves off to a remote cottage or a beautiful house in a remote place Mm. and then things not working out the way they expected now things were absolutely fine for me but you know it's just i think because i was in that house not long afterwards it really played on my mind it was a matter of weeks yeah Yeah. um and so it has really stayed with me um and the the soundtrack it's not something that i'd rush back to watch although i might come back to it in a few years time and, and revisit the ideas and the, the themes it uh, the thing that also surprises me it's it's got very clear horror 
elements to it not just the remoteness of the cottage the 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 scariness of someone potentially being outside or inside but there's real body horror to it as well and that's normally something all of those things is something i normally run away from but i've really ruminated on it and i'm still not sure what it all means and at the time i just didn't like it and i was just like well i don't know what it means and i didn't think it worked and she's wandering around the forest and i remember sitting in the cinema thinking you will love this and i was feeling very cold about it and so I'm really surprised, actually, it was going to be a little bit further up, but there were other things that, that came along that sort of tickled my fancy a bit more. Okay, well, like I say, two, but largely a two-hander. Mm. Um, Jesse Buckley, one of the performances of the year. Rory Kinnear, lots of the performances <laughs> of the year. Of um, yeah, for anyone who's not heard of this, this is the story of um, someone taking a vacation following the death of her husband. And men happen around her. I think it's probably yeah, yeah. about as much to say. But yeah, um, at the same time, comedic and horrific. Um, and yeah, I I'm to- totally with you on that. Um, like I said, exactly the same place on my list. So, Isn't it um, funny how you can walk out of a film that I was thinking about this earlier? You can walk out of a film and be like, well, I won't even think about that again. And it creeps up on you. Yeah. And it ends up in number eight on your list at the end of the year. Wow. Bizarre. So you're number seven. My number seven is another horror, Fresh. Wow, it didn't make my list, but I'm really glad it made yours. Mm. Um, it was it was close, but yeah. yeah, it was it was in the running. But yeah, I I think I cut it out knowing it would be higher on yours and it would be on mine. Yeah, so, uh, and yeah. again, not something that I would rush back to watch because there were parts of that film that actually made me physically sick. Yes. Like really, really made, and it's very rare that something makes me sick to my stomach. I don't think many people have seen this, mm. so let's just take a couple of seconds just to explain. Oh, well, I think this is yeah, you've a got film to be, that it's another one that you've got to be as careful. little as possible. Mm. Um, so this is Daisy Edgar Jones from Normal People. Um, she's out at the grocery store, bumps into Sebastian Stan. Very charismatic. Yeah, and they go on a date. Mm. And we I don't think we go any further than that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's directed by Mimi Cave, who is not a name I recognise. But yeah, it's I think it's her feature, feature debut. I mean, what a debut. Yeah, I mean, and to have that cast, um, yeah. you know, those two leads who... You know, Marvel royalty, Sebastian mm. Stan, and TV royalty, Daisy Edgar Jones. It is not for the light-hearted. I have no. to. I think it should come with a, a massive warning. Not just because of the events that occur, but the themes that it touches on as well. Mm. It, it's really affecting, like I say, physically affecting and, and emotionally affecting. But the journey that it took us on and the things that occurred, like cinematically, I found it just like this is cinema this is yes. this is why we watch mm. movies yeah um director hulu in the states director disney plus here um i would if if you're it's into... so weird that it's on disney plus i'm yes. sorry every time i see it on <laughs> disney plus i just think mm. um yeah i mm-hmm. totally agree with you i think it's a i think it's a great film i think it's it starts off as like red flags in date when dating and finishes off red flags in other things but um, yeah, I, I I totally understand why that's on yours, and I'm glad mm. you put it on. And your number seven. My number seven is a very different film, although <laughs> also on Disney Plus, <laughs> okay. and it's Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh right, yes, yeah. This won't yeah. be on many people's yeah, top ten yeah. of the year, but <laughs> you loved it. To see 
the Lonely Island mm-hmm. take a property that I mean I don't care any any about at all, mm-hmm. and just have them like run through like it was it was almost like a cartoon in joke universe. Mm. Um, the Ugly Sonic, the there's one bit where they're just walking down the streets, going, "Yeah, you know, this is a nice street, but they um in some of these buildings, they're organize Muppet fights." <laughs> Just and there's a joke and about there's a long-standing joke about cheese, isn't there? And cheese being like a drug. Cheese, yes. cheese. They go to know, the like... cheese dealer. Yeah. And <laughs> the, the plot of this is that Monterey Jack, the friend of Chip and Dale, has been kidnapped. It's kind of like you're yeah, looking at friend Monterey Jack, and the Muppet who's selling cheese goes, "That's also the name of a type of cheese." <laughs> um, yeah, like this is stupid. This this is one of the three films I gave five stars to this year, which is ludicrous, but. Uh, this ticks every single box for me. I have watched it about four times now. Just I'll put it on the background when I'm just doing stuff, just because it's fun and it makes me smile. And that is something that goes underrated. My number six. Yes. Is Avatar: The Way of Water, which is hard to place it at six. I have to be honest. I mean, but yeah, you've got a bit check that's yeah. not on my list yet. Um, it's not going to be on your list. <laughs> I haven't even not. thought about that. Yeah. And it had to be there somewhere. Yes. It was an experience. I gave it sort of four out, out of five. There's, there, there were major problems with it, plot-wise. But that, that experience of going into the cinema and being back in Pandora and now going to different parts of Pandora, I just really loved it and I just I went with it. Um, the reason it's so low on my list compared to, let's say if we were doing this you know, many, many years ago and obviously Avatar I went to see multiple times, the reason it's so low is because I haven't felt compelled to go back. And they're kind of the same length. You know, it's not like Avatar, the original, was, uh, you know, 90 minutes. Um, the You know, the three hours plus. Um, and Well, this has an extra fifth, uh, 30 minutes extra, on yeah. it. Yeah, but I mean... Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's much of a muchness. So it's not the length. It's just... I, there's, there's something about this one that hasn't made me want the, the tightness of the plotting the flaws um, in terms of the storytelling but it, it had to be there because it's it's a phenomenal experience yeah it, it, it wasn't for me yeah um, I know I think I it's know. a it's a spectacular a technical achievement mm-hmm. rather than a good film mm-hmm. so yeah I mean I'm, I'm glad you've got a lot out of it because yeah. I know you are you like the the original more than anyone I've ever met, so um, yeah, fair play. But yeah, um, yeah, not for me, thank you. What, what's your number six? I need to look at you for this one. Okay, I'm not sure it'll be on your list, but mm. pray. Not on my list. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So pray is the fourth film, the fifth film in the Predator franchise. If you don't count the Alien versus Predator, which you probably should, but yeah. Um, just a awesome action film from start to finish. Um, Amber Midtunder really, really announcing mm-hmm. herself on the stage, on the world stage of films. Um, she'd been in very little. She, yeah, very little. Um, Dakota Beavers as well as a place of brother. Um, really, really looking forward to what they do next because I think they've got kind of a choice of roles now. Um, Dan Trachtenberg has never let me down. Love Ten Cloverfield Lane. Mm. It's you know, and I think this. As a, this is the first Predator film since the first one, which I feel is worthy of the name, and it's not even called it. 
Um, what's your number five? My number five is The Batman. Funnily enough, not on my Not list. on your list, I didn't yeah. think it would be. Yeah, really loved it. Caught it again on Sky, because it's come on Sky Cinema um, recently. Caught it again the other day. And it's not normally the thing that you, you know, when you're three-year-olds rolling around on the floor, sort of chucking stuff at your feet. Um, it's not normally the sort of film that I ha- would have on in the background, but it was on and I st- I got really into it again. Mm. I love the soundtrack. I love the darkness of it. I know some people really, really didn't want dark Batman. They wanted light and fluffy Batman again or they wanted more more of a, um, maybe even a comedic s- style of Batman. You know, going back to the day, the, the, the TV show, the power that, you know. I'd love and that. I can totally see that. And I think, you know what? I think there's, um, there's place for both in the world I love the Joel Schumacher Batman films even Batman and Robin you know I, I can I can sit and watch it and take it for what it is so I know that those those two elements of it but I really really love a dark film I'm proper Fincher you know love of all of the, the you know real and you say this a lot on the podcast that I watch a lot of crime dramas that really and, you? And, and documentaries that are really 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 tough and so this the darkness of Batman and I th- I thought you know what I really really liked Robert Pattinson's portrayal I would have liked to have seen a little bit more light <laughs> when he's playing Bruce Wayne as well as the shade of Batman um, but even like the scenes with Andy Serkis which I, I when I came out of the Batman originally I thought oh he's been really underserved when I was watching the film again, I, I, I think there's still more room for him. But the, the the plot points that he has with Bruce Wayne, Robert Pattinson, there's there's a particular scene in the hospital, and it's so beautifully played that actually I thought, you know what? I hope there's a sequel, and I hope that gets played out a bit more. And it didn't affect me quite as much as it had done before. I thought the villain was a proper villain. And I I enjoy the things that happen towards the end, which I'm not going to go into. But there's little um, trickles of what other other characters, and you have to look up then who's the voice of certain people are. And I just really like that. It, it plays into things of that that I like because of it, the continuation of the of the series. I really want to see this go further. Um, I haven't talked about Zoe Kravitz, but I thought she was a really unique take on Catwoman given that my only real relationship with Catwoman is Michelle Pfeiffer which I absolutely adore that portrayal in Batman Returns what about Anne Hathaway? Mm, not a a fan to be honest with you I like the Dark Knight films I like I like the first two films but there's there's something about them that leaves me quite cold and it, it's quite, I, sometimes I feel they're quite planned and plotted and whereas this was very grimy and I like that. As, as I said, as I said at the time, this was a film that lost me early and never got me back, uh, which I was really disappointed at. Like I wanted, I was really looking forward to this being, like I love Batman films apart from Dark Knight Rises. Like even I like Batman Forever. Um, I'm not, I won't go as far as Batman and Robin, but um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I'm I'm glad people liked it. I am in the minority on this. Yeah. I know that more people liked it than in my position. So it 
hasn't come up on the sort of the top 20 because most people do like the top 20 list now or yeah. films of the year it hasn't come up as much as i thought it would and certainly not to the extent it might have been like languishing down in the 20s but not up the top well if you want a film that's not appeared on many top 20 lists this year come on then my number five i've seen this on a couple of worst of the year lists <laughs> so <laughs> God, right okay my number five of the year is bullet train Oh, you, yeah, yeah, I remember now you really loved that, didn't you? When you came home and you were full of beans about it. Done by David Leach, who did Deadpool 2 and Hobbs and Shaw. Um, Brad Pitt, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, on a bullet train. They have to find people, get... The plot is irrelevant in this. There is... They have to get some money off the train. They have to find somebody. This is like a Rube Goldberg machine in that an off-the-cuff comment that someone makes to someone in the first five minutes will come back in the last five minutes as an excuse for something happening that you don't know what happened. That's the reason the ball dropped down that happened there. It's so intricate, the plot of this. It really it really ticks all the boxes for me. Um, I've seen so many people slag this off. I love this. I lo- really, really love this. And yeah, I mean, fifth best film of the year for me, which is ludicrous when I think about it. But... I mean, you've got Chip and Dale up there as well, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's an eclectic collection. Yes. Um, so many cameos, so many really fun cameos in this. It's, It really is so much fun. Um, I think it must be coming out Sky sometime soon. Um, really, I think really underseen as well. So check it out. Like, turn off your brain mm-hmm. just go and enjoy yourself because there's some really funny moments in it there's yeah. um, Brian Terry Henry despite the accent really not paying off playing a London gangster some of the there's a running joke which I think is one of the funniest jokes I've seen in this and I've seen people going this is the worst that's the worst part of the film so see if you see if you <laughs> agree with me or not Aaron Taylor Johnson's in it yes uh, and I know this because people have said that his performance in this film has alerted Barbara Broccoli and he's up for Bond just because really? of this. Yeah, yeah. Now, everyone's up for Bond. Every five minutes, the papers will say, so-and-so is the new Bond. But, yeah, that one, that's the one that I thought, ooh, I could kind of, I could see that. I could see it. I think it'd be an interesting choice. Uh, interesting, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, um, that's a big thing to, to come out of that in, in, in the circles that I run in anyway. <laughs> Um, so you're number four. My number four is Top Gun Maverick, which is very much near the top of many people's lists. Uh, my number four is Top Gun Maverick. I thought it might be. <laughs> I don't think it would make it into top three territory because there's so many other films that I think have come along. Um, but yeah, as soon as I sat down and heard... Do, 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 it was like, right, um, it's, it's highway to the danger zone. And off we go, and he's on his bike, and he hasn't aged a day, and he's doing these crazy stunts, and Goose's son is back, and there's an implausible relationship with a woman who owns a bar, you know, it's like... The the, the most lucrative bar in the world, because she owns a portion of Burt. And the only bar that everyone's going to go to, you know, and the lovely callback to the original Top Gun as well with, uh, with Penny. Oh, I thought you were going to... Yeah, yeah. There are other yeah. callbacks as well, which... Yeah, yeah, there's be, plenty, yeah. but for her, I thought I, that was really nice. I think this is... Yeah, like, a film that is 
proper turn off your brain, mm. sit back and just enjoy. It's yeah, perfect, perfect but, but action film. But it does things that you that you don't expect it to do. There were there were there were. I mean, maybe it's just me, but there were plot points that I did not see coming. There were things that I thought, oh, we're going a particular way. Lots of times, I was think I was I really felt there were, there was peril for everyone involved. There yeah. was one point where I thought a particular character had died and I thought oh here we go and that showed me that actually I, f- I was really feeling like anyone could die yes. um, and and I'm not just talking about the main characters I'm talking about the the ancillary players as well where I'm thinking wow they are really going to do you know they're going to start doing this and it was just really um, a real like you say sit back relax and just let it take over you and I think, yeah, um, I totally agree with you. I think it is. This could have been. This could have gone so shit. It could have been terrible, couldn't it? And Paramount clearly knew what they had because it would have been so easy for them to just release it, sell it to Sky, sell it to Amazon, sell it to Netflix. I believe they had offers like in the in the many many millions to release it, but they knew what they had, mm. and boy, has it paid off because this is uh, probably the top grossing film of the year. Um, Avatar Worldwide might run it close, mm. but just came out of nowhere. I mean, did you listen to the film cast Summer Wager, where someone dared put it at three and three for the year, and everyone was taking the piss out of mm, them? Yes, going yeah. and like, yeah, I don't think it'll, it's like someone said it won't be in the top five, and it was in like the top five films yeah. of all time by yes. the end of the year. Yeah, um, yeah, came out of nowhere. Um, absolutely paid off, and I think it's it just it shows the quality of the film, mm-hmm. um, in that it worked for pretty much everyone. Yeah. I know that I've heard some films that some reviews that are pretty colder to it, but I think everyone just says it's a even if you're colder to the actual experience, yeah. it's a great cold to the actual film. It's a great experience in the cinema. Yeah. Ooh, top three then. Top three. Is it me first? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, so my number three is a film that you haven't seen, um, but I don't think you'll be surprised. It's The Wonder, starring Florence Pugh and Tom Burke, two of my favourite people to watch on the big screen. I'm dying to know what's higher for this <laughs> now. Oh, yes. Top, yeah, Florence so, yeah. Pugh, definitely one of mine. Um, yeah, oh, just I think there's more love for Florence Pugh in this house than there's probably... <laughs> probably normal um but yes so yeah this this film wasn't seen at all i don't think it was out at the cinema and then it went to netflix so it might have got a bit more traction on netflix but i've not seen it again in anyone's list it's a film that's set in um the irish midlands in the in 1800s in late 1800s 1860s and it's the story of a young girl who has stopped eating but remains well and an english nurse is sent over to ireland along with a nun, to look at the girl and to determine what what is going on. And she is um, charged with watching the girl in shifts with with the nun. And so we are left wondering what is happening here? How is the girl seemingly well without eating? What, you know, is it, is it something, is it a religious um, experience? The girl talks about receiving manna from heaven. So she's living off God's love. Is that what's happening, or are there other things at, at play? And um, there's a, a lovely relationship between Florence Pugh and Tom Burke's character, who comes in as a journalist who's 
looking at the story as well, who's very, very sceptical and saying, you know, clearly something's going on here and that maybe the family are making money out of it and or the popularity of them makes them look really exciting in the community. And, and you've taken on that, that journey with it. And it, it's it's a real story, but it's not just about the girl, but it's also about Florence Pugh's character and what she has experienced in her life, what Tom Burke's character has experienced, all with the uh, the shadow of the Irish famine. And this idea of eating and not eating and people being hungry. I went to see this at our um, local independent cinema, which is the Tyneside Cinema in Newcastle. And there was only a few people in. And I, I sat there and I just let it take me along for the ride. I felt cold. I felt hungry. It was a realist and I flitted from, oh, it's a religious miracle to someone's giving her food, but where are they giving her food? You know, I flitted between because it, it tempts you to 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 think about those things. It's 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 asking you the question all all the way through. And and I just loved it. And I think it's such a shame that it hasn't got more of a um more of an audience and i mean pew should absolutely be up for awards for her performance in in this as with the the young the young girl um and and it's there's plenty of other other people in it as well all doing a, a brilliant job but yeah i i just really loved it and it had it had to be high up on my list because i think about that film quite a lot and that that experience has stayed with me. I'll check it out. Mm. I'll, like, like I said, it's easy to watch on Netflix now. It's a, it's a quiet fit. It's one where you wouldn't want to have your three-year-old running around chucking things at you. Um, you'd want I very rarely do. Yeah, I know, it's true. Um, you'd, you'd want it to be maybe a day where you're by yourself or an evening. Mm. Um, it's not a happy film. <laughs> you know, it's not a jolly... It's not Top Gun Maverick or um, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's not a bullet train. Stick it on a Friday night and have a, have a couple of drinks. And it, it is a very thoughtful film. But it is one that I I wish more people had seen and more people had reviewed. So I looked for ages for like other people, especially the podcasts that we listen to, the film and TV podcasts, and really wanting someone else to talk about it so that I could have that conversation in my ears. Um, and I haven't seen anyone talking about it. I think the problem with these releases are that Netflix releases them, and if you don't know it's there, you're mm. not going to find you're it. You're not going to find it, yeah, absolutely. And it obviously it got a small cinema release. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's interesting that it was only our local independent uh, art yeah. house cinema that showed it, because the big change just won't touch anything nope. that's going on to streaming services yeah. so soon. So it is a shame, but yeah, um, I will. I'll definitely check that out at some point. Your number three. My number three is hustle. Hustle. Why do why why does that not ring any bells? Hustle. Hustle. Sorry, I'm just saying the word. Do, 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 do. No, damn. Hustle. Anyway, stop saying hustle. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm looking. I'm looking wistfully off. Hustle is a Netflix original film uh, starring Adam Sandler. Okay. He is a sports agent trying to find the next big NBA star outside the major leagues and the college system. So he spends half his year on a plane um, going to Europe, going to Spain, oh, Eastern Europe, um, Germany, uh, Russia, just to find the next big basketball star. Um, he is uh, at a match in Barcelona. He 
to see some guy who he's heard about is amazing, sees him, thinks, uh, but when he's walking down the street, sees this young kid hustling people for money um, on like pickup basketball in the local courts, um, takes him to the US, um, tries to get him a shot, he has problems. You can write this film just from what I've said. If I tell you that now, you can tell me exactly what happens the rest of the way through. But this is such a lovely film. I mean, Adam Sandler is a bit Marmite, but this is the one that it's okay to like that he makes every four years. Like, I think last time was um, Hidden Gems. Before that was probably Don't Wor- um, Punch Drunk Love. When he's not being a dickhead with uh, <laughs> with his mates, mm-hmm. he he's such a good actor. I mean, his relationship with Queen Latifah in this film is it's a feels like a really real um, relationship, family dynamic between him and his daughter as well. In that he's missed every birthday she's had, and they're pissed off at him, but they're not like we're we're leaving you because of this. But they understand that he provides a great life for them. But he wants a way off the road so that he can spend time with them and has clearly let them down a couple of times on things that he couldn't be there for because he has to be on the road looking for the next big basketball star. Drancho Hena Gomez, who is a real-life NBA star, he's obviously never set foot in RADA or anything like that. But I think it brings an inno- he brings an innocence in his acting that really works as part of the film. I think you would really enjoy this because you, I think you secretly quite like a sports movie. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's like yeah. a Netflix original. It really, really spoke to me, this mm-hmm. film. And I, I've just enjoyed thinking about it ever mm-hmm. since. Um, there are proper baddies in this. There are proper goodies in this. And yeah, like I said, you can probably, if you've seen any of these songs before, you can tell exactly what's going to happen. But it's, yeah. Do you think that the young Spanish basketball star that's got a family and a daughter back in Spain but has some troubles in his past that might stop him getting a contract with a team, do you think he makes it in the end? Yes, I think he, I think he'll be fine. Well, interesting. You'll have to watch it to find out. So what's your second? Oh, and you know what? And while you've been talking, I have been listening to you, I promise, but I've also been weighing up whether to switch my one and my two. Okay. And I think I have. I think I've decided to switch it. Okay, so I've got two films in my head, and I'm interested to know which uh, if these are one and two. Yeah, so in at number two, which was number one for quite a while, but I'm switching it because it's what my heart tells me. Um, in at number two, it's Elvis. Oh, God, I forgot about Elvis. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I thought so, you, you loved Elvis. I did love Elvis, and I put it as number... This is, I think... We might have to take that my number one and number two will change each day That's fine. for the next year, I think, That's if not fine. longer. Because I it depends what mood I'm in. And clearly the mood I was in when I was writing the list in my notes to come on this, which was not that long ago, I just stuck Elvis in at number one. I mean, you're assuming that Elvis isn't in my two or one <laughs> place. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. It's not. So. I know. I know it wouldn't be, and I'm not sure that the other film that I'm in, my, my my number one is going to be um, there for you as well. Uh, these are the the both films that are very much m- me films for for very particular reasons. But Elvis has a a very very special place in my heart. Elvis Presley, the person, because Elvis Presley was a surviving twin. We have a surviving twin, and one of the things that really gave me comfort when 
our um, eldest twin died was looking up all the people who also had an identical twin who had died and then constantly making the joke to people that um, our surviving twin, our surviving son would go into show business and that was the way I got through it. It was difficult to see that played out on the screen. I found myself very, very emotional when Elvis's mum discovers that she's she's having having twins and one of her twins has died. But then you see that played out through his life and this idea of living for the other person and also that, that longing that other family members have for that child that died and being the survivor. I found that really interesting because Austin's in a similar situation. But the Lerman of it all is also beyond all of that. The Lerman of it all just... I just love Baz Luhrmann's Can films. you just ex- Yes, this Baz is Baz Luhrmann, Luhrmann who he did Romeo Moulin plus Rouge. Juliet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Strictly ballroom. Just the music. The se- For someone who gets really overwhelmed in terms of sensory like overload, Baz Luhrmann's films does something to my brain which just gets away from all of that. I don't know whether it's just a moment in time where I can go and I can have that feeling where my the the um the center of my eyes are expanding you know when your your pupils are just dilate and i feel that when i watch a lerman film there is something about the world that i get it's almost like you get sucked into the screen and i'm there and for me the particularly the um the parts of the film where elvis is in vegas as well having yeah. been to vegas with yourself twice and spent a lot of time just really you know enjoying vegas and having lots of fantastic memories of the of vegas and seeing lots of elvis presley in person that i was really fascinated by there were elements of the story that i didn't know but that quick cut that you know that that whooshing you know the whooshing that lerman does when you're in you're out you're there you're i just get taken away by it i um i am not a fan of the Tom Hanks performance. I was about to say. That is one thing that really, yeah, I do wish that wasn't quite, I, I wish it wasn't Hanks. I think maybe if it had been another actor that I would have gone along with it, but it just was, it was Tom Hanks in prosthetics. Um, and I just couldn't quite, quite get it. But yeah, I, I think it was a Hanks issue. I think it was a casting issue rather than anything else. So yeah, Elvis is my number two of the year. Austin Butler for best actor. I mean, he is brilliant. And I, when I saw the trailer, I think we might have talked about it, you know when it was proper big old lockdown time, yes. and we were doing um, Friday night drinks, which yes. was um, episodes where we would sit ostensibly on a Friday night, and we would say, okay, what's happening in in the world of cinema? Which, funnily enough, wasn't that much. But the trailer for Elvis had come out and I remember thinking, oh, this is awful. He does not look like Elvis. He will not be... He is not Elvis. Um, And then there's there's something about the film that you know he doesn't really look like Elvis. You know... But within seconds, I was like, oh, he is a version of Elvis that I can go along with. And the hurt and the pain that he feels, the um, the addiction, the the problems that he has, the challenges that he has, the way that people manipulate him, I thought it was just 
fascinating and all the way through to i mean you can't say old age because obviously elvis was not old when he died but through to the years where he was overweight where he was suffering from various um problems and in in his life um mental health issues and was clearly struggling quite a lot to see that the movement from the very lithe the you know the dancing young elvis all the way through to the sweating jumpsuit wearing yes. you know elvis, is it's phenomenal so yeah i i hope he does get some recognition he's in, currently in third favorite for the best picture is he yeah oh, best, i didn't sorry, best know actor. that for yeah. best actor wow Mm. Okay. Um, there's Brendan Fraser mm. and for the whale, which we haven't seen yes. yet. It's not come out yet. And um, Colin only. Farrell in front of him. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I can yeah, mm. I can see that Colin Farrell's great. Okay, my, my number two film. Yes, does is... it involve Colin Farrell? It does not. <laughs> okay, it involves Michelle Yeoh and Stephanie Sue and oh, is everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Uh, number ten on your list. Number ten on my list. Snuck in. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan. I know you really. But tenth best film of the year <laughs> wasn't a fan. Tenth best film I saw. No, but it wasn't. Year, but... It wasn't like I wasn't a fan in terms of the way that other people are putting it right at the top and and calling out things like Oscar editing, for example, or special effects. I think it was that the film didn't get nominated for. Um, As we speak, mm. it is currently the favorite for the best picture Oscar. Okay. I could see Which why. I think I, I called out that. at the yeah, time and you said yeah. no. <laughs> no, but I can I can see it. I can see it, yeah. This is the film, just in case anyone missed it, because mm. it's still quite, you know... It, yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. This mm. is a film of some... How do you explain this film? Um, Michelle Yeoh gets visited by another version of her husband from another dimension who needs her help to stop an evil from spreading through all the dimensions mm. throughout the universe. Oh, that's well done. And, yes. <laughs> this is absolutely fucking batshit. It's, it's too batshit for me. That, but, that was but my issue. But 10th best film of the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's too batshit for it to be further, further okay. up. I, there was a bit about sausages and fingers, and <laughs> there's, those things have stayed with me. And I just can't go with it. I'm sorry. I can't. But it's fascinating to watch. It's not like anything you've ever seen before. No. Um, we talk about Martha Plimpton coming out of nowhere, but Kehui Kwan, who obviously made a career in the 80s with um, in the same film as Martha Plimpton. Mm, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. a year for that. Yeah, wow. Um, from the, so Goonies. the Goonies. Yeah, uh, also in Temple of Doom. Short round. Yeah. Um, coming back with an absolutely... St- like both action wise and also like the, giving you all the feels at points you know mm-hmm. like he is it's so good I mean Michelle Yeoh is obviously brilliant yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis in a really memorable role and Dildo fights I mean it's like this is it's what you, it's what you want this it? for a you long time cinema. was my number one for the year yeah uh, yeah um in any other many other years it would be number one mm-hmm. um it's one of the few films where I left and said, I'm going to go back next week to see that again, and then proper took the thing, like, you need to go see everything everywhere all at once, and made a hell of a lot of money, because, like, just through word of mouth, um, like, there was, I listened to a lot of box office sort of podcasts, and like, most films go down, like, 50-60% each month, each week, this was going down, like, 10-20%, to 20%, <laughs> yeah. just because 
through word of mouth, even when the big films are coming out. But yeah, um, absolute, absolute amazing film. Please go and see this as soon as you can. Um, but please be aware that you might, it might be a bit weird for you. Yeah, it might be a little bit strange. Yeah. But I think with the Oscar buzz, people will be more inclined to look for it. Yes, absolutely. So you're number one. My number one. I can hear eyes rolling across the universe. My number one is Don't Worry Darling. Okay. Okay. Um, a film I really enjoyed 90% of. Mm. And I think it the last act of this shat the bed too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, this film shat the bed worse than Last Night in Soho. Okay, yeah. For me. Okay. Which... I, I wouldn't quite put it in that category. And I know exactly what you mean because it's that last moment for both of those films. Yeah. Um, and I, I, last night in Soho, I had a real issue with the way that it ended. But this, I see the problems and there are, there are real problems. It almost feels like at the end, there was more to the film that was cut out, that there were more scenes with certain characters who do things. There, there's, mm. There are major events that take place right at the end with people who we've seen um, throughout the film um, maybe not so much as, as others. And I just, I felt like, oh, that's a major development for that character. And I think maybe there's some more scenes there that have, that have been cut. And I queried why they were doing that. But again, this is a, it's such a personal thing, isn't it? When it's your sort of like topics of the year. There is something about the, the setting of the film. I think we should do a very brief, synopsis which is it's jack and alice are a young couple it's florence Pugh. it's harry styles i mean how anyone doesn't know that with all of the (laughs) crap that was going on around this film um but yeah jack and alice are living in what i'm going to call a 1950s style because the styling is very sort of 1950s 1950s style community a, a town called victory that has been created by um or put put together by chris pine's sort of leader of of the of this company um and the the men go off every day to work for chris pine and the women stay at home and um clean the house look after the children and then go off to have these amazing like lunches and drink lots of cocktails and you know yeah and that that sort of styling now from the 1950s styling is something that's really close to my heart i wore a 1950s style wedding dress and i love that look it's something that just really really appeals to me so mm. being in that world was an absolute joy harry styles has been subject to a load of criticism around this film and i think it's really unfair because from what i've seen he's an absolutely fine actor he is was fine in dunkirk where he's just one of one of the people on the beach wasn't he, yeah. he was like one of the, the soldiers on the beach absolutely fine didn't have a lot to do in that and then in this he i think he plays it absolutely perfectly for what the film is asking him to do halfway through the film i think the thing that came to my head was standout performer in a school play which is massively faint i mean with faint praise having seen the film fully now Mm. i forgive the performance more and i think i'll leave it there Mm. um i mean i'm look it's not on my list um i was disappointed by the ending but um, as far as the backlash that this film received, 
there are a lot of people who know who should know better who circled their wagons against this film and this is a perfectly fine film that has its flaws but is not the end of cinema as we know it which is um which is what people were painting it as mm. um i mean olivia wilde olivia wilde mm. um you know it getting criticisms that just do not happen to male directors um florence Pugh clearly had problems on on set yeah. but it obviously gives a brilliant performance because she's florence Pugh, and i i might say that if she just yeah. sort of went out there and read the phone book yeah. or but she is she's it's a brilliant brilliant performance and mm. and i and i think there's obviously the the what you forget as well is that all of that pressure around the film from the outside must be really hard for the people within it. Yeah. So of course then there's going to be, if there's already a tension, there's going to be more tension, isn't there? Or you're going to be doing things to try and dispel the tension. So if you're not going to turn up to something, you're, you're like, right, okay, well, we'll not just be in this. And then people, oh, they've not turned up or mm. they've, they've stood up at the wrong time. And every single bit of their movement and their experience and every time they were at a premiere and they were it was just like microaggression constant constantly and less sort of said about the film which was such a shame because the cinematography is beautiful i thought the direction was really good and i have like i say the the wheels fall off slightly for me towards the end i think it's more of a storytelling than anything but i i really enjoyed it there is there is something about the there was something that is revealed within the film that has stayed with me and I don't think will will ever leave. And that is a very personal thing. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why it's up so high mm. on on my list. I mean, like I said, it's not it's not in my top ten. Mm. It is a film that was close. It was on my long list. It's a film that takes swings as well. Like mm. films should take swings. Yeah, just go for yeah. it. And if it doesn't work it like, yeah. like I think we had this conversation about long time ago Cloud mm. Atlas the first time we ever mm. met was at a screening of Cloud Atlas yeah. and there's a film that isn't for me it's for you but fucking hell it takes swings yeah yeah, yeah. It's just and it's it's a piece of cinema and mm. yeah I totally agree mm. so is your number one can I give a guess I don't think you'll get it but yeah okay. is your number one the Banshees of Vinisherin no no oh is that Again, not on your list in, in, in my long list didn't quite make it wow Okay, and then I have no idea what's up there. This is a very odd number one for me. Oh, but welcome but, to my world. But is a film that is in a lot of top ten lists that I've mm-hmm. seen this year, mm-hmm. um, which is disappointing because I really wanted to. <laughs> Do you want to be the one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a film that's very odd for me because it's three hours long. Mm-hmm. It is a film that is not of the English language. Okay. It is a film that is the most expensive film ever made in this country. Do you know what it is? The worst bit about this film is that you sound like a seal when you say it. Is it R R R? It's R R R. This. Do you know much about this film? No, but I have seen it on the list. Yeah. And people are saying you, you've got to go and see it. You've got to go and see it. This mm-hmm. is a fictional tale of two revolutionaries in India, two real revolutionaries who probably never met in real life. But it is the tale of a bromance between these two revolutionaries in the time of British colonialism in India. So it's a period set in... Set, uh, set, set before electricity? Yeah. And anyone who's listened to the podcast before will know that Mark is not a fan of films I think there is, I think set it, before electricity. I think there is electricity, but yeah, <laughs> right. just. Oh, well. Yeah. 
This is a film that has everything, literally has everything. This has the most jaw-dropping action sequences. This has a really cute romance story. This has proper bromance. And I've not seen many Indian films, to my shame, because they're not, as I understand it, Indian films in the UK are not press-screened. Mm, um, mm-hmm. They have an, a distributor that doesn't need to press-screen them. They know that if they put them out, they will have an audience that comes, and it's not in their interest to they have... They don't them a lot. Yeah. yeah. This is obviously more of a breakout film. Um, and the first time I saw this, I was like, what the fuck is going on? There is um, a bit of um, exposition that takes place in the form of a song. Okay. Like, song in the background, Amazing. like, two people meet, and they become good friends, <laughs> and they hang out all the time, <laughs> which is, I've seen a couple, I've since, just in the name of exploring, mm-hmm. I've watched another couple of um, Indian films, and that's quite a common mm-hmm. trope that they would use just to explain it, but it's very different to the Western language of cinema that mm-hmm. we use. Um you know, you can criticise this film in that some of the CGI is not up to the CGI that is used in Avatar, but it's not got what the is? billions behind it that <laughs> yeah. that has. But this is a film which I watched when I was off work, and I put it on, and someone had said, oh, there's a pretty obvious like gap in the middle where you can just like split it in two. I watched it all the way through, um, got to the gap, thought, fuck it, I'm carrying on with this. And then again, went and watched it again the next week because it is that good this kind of changes how i think of action cinema and i can't say that about many other films i've seen this year um and there's a dance off in the middle of it which is also Mm -hmm. perfect um such good film it's on netflix at the minute it's not in its original language it's a tamil film originally um it's the hindi dubbed version that's on netflix i'd love to see it in the tamil Mm. but i mean it's yeah if you want to see this, that like it's on Netflix, just put it on and just enjoy yourself because my jaw was on the floor mm. for so many of these, so, so much of this. Um, you've you've not seen this at all, have you? No, I've not seen it at all, but it, that has made me really want to visit it. It's it is it's so good, um, and I think so many people have missed this if they don't listen to the same podcast we do. But mm. yeah, this is. An absolute breakout film for me. Um, I have. I am looking at other Indian films just to mm. see, but I think I've <laughs> started with the most yeah, explosive, yeah. the most thing. Would you watch it again? I'd watch it again. Okay, tomorrow. Maybe yeah. we, we could watch it, and yeah, uh, maybe we might have to do it in two parts for me. <laughs> well, that's what, like I said, that's what I thought, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah, R R R, which I think stands for, which I think stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. Okay, but yeah, yeah, um. It's, yes, please, please watch this film because it's so much fun. So there's two top ten lists you're not going to find anywhere else. So uh, Not going to find many with Chippendale Rescue Rangers on. Hope you enjoyed that, everyone, because they're slightly different to maybe some other podcasts you might, you might be listening to. But yeah, like I said, I think it's, like, Playground would be in my top, top ten of the best films of the year. But, mm. like... I watched it, I enjoyed it, I thought that's a really good film and I haven't thought about it since. So yeah, yeah I think it's important to do the things that stay with you. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> We're going to come back soon with TV shows of the year. Yes. Um, and that's going to be interesting that, because I've watched very little yeah, TV this watched, year. And I've watched more TV because I've been moonlighting on the Custard TV podcast. Yeah. So I had to watch various things for, for that. And I think just generally I watch more 
Crime, more crime dramas um, than anyone else I know. Is darts going to be our number one? <laughs> yeah, oh, also the darts. Oh, the darts. I just love the darts It's so not much. a coincidence that we're recording this on New Year's Day when the darts <laughs> is off for a day. <laughs> I know, I'm just really upset. I was like, I got up this morning, I was like, oh, some darts on. Oh, it is, it's like, te- it's, it's like, it's not television, of course it's televised, but it's like a really good TV show. It's the characters, it's the walk-on music, the songs, the fact that one of them's called a f- The Ferret. Like, who would want that as their, like, their name? Like, you've got other names like Voltage and uh, Mighty Michael Van Gogh, you know? Like, they've got these, like, really strong, they're very masculine names. And then you've got someone who comes along and he's got, oh, the ferret. The ferret's got a treble eight, a treble 20. If you like entrance music mm-hmm. and nicknames mm. and daft little things like I that, know. I, I know. can tell you exactly, I've got exactly this show for you. I was thinking <laughs> that, you know, because I was, I was saying to myself, the other day when I was watching the darts, oh, it's a bit panto, isn't it? It's very panto, and the, the, the audience is holding up um, placards, and there's real sort of like, um, I've got, what's it, like colon, colon response, so, yes. you know, 180, and um, there's all the language to it, like, oh, it, on that visit, I really like the fact they call it a visit when you stand up at the hockey, and you, you go, and... But it's wouldn't really it be better if they faked it and uh, <laughs> made the person who was most interesting to win it win it? Talking about gimmicks and yes, about, gimmicks yeah. and uh, yeah. And wouldn't it be better if they did like drop kicks off the top turnbuckle? And, and also, people who um, don't necessarily look like sports stars, you think, or athletes, okay, but then are the top of their game and incredibly sporting and athletic. Very similar to rest where I'm you gonna look. I'm going to put this back. I'm going to just they're, they're not very athletic, huh? No, but you know like, what I mean. They, the, they have their, a really precision, precision throwing. Their their arm must really hurt. That's very different from being for, athletic. Yeah, I'll I know. But you know what I mean. When you see the wrestling, sometimes you see someone and you think they're not going to be able to chuck someone over there, and then they're chucking them and they're twirling and they're jumping off the in. That's yeah, maybe the darts and wrestling very similar. Together at last. <laughs> Has there been a darts player that's a Oh, no, oh, that's a wrestler. Oh, oh. There's been golfers mm, and yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty much every other sport. Yeah, da- I mean, darts may have made it into my top ten now. Wow. <laughs> the wow. darts. <laughs> well, mine's all the ten wrestling shows from here. <laughs> so, uh, that's well, if you want to see um, what we've come up with for our for our top ten TV shows, then tune in when we uh, finally get round to recording uh, recording that. Probably after the final. Probably after the darts. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, if you would like to follow us, you can do so at The Honeymoon Pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to leave us a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that'd be really appreciated to help other people find us. We'll see you next time. See you next time.